Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Welcome to the Block by Design Podcast, where we explore the power and process behind Design for Web3. We'll guide you through the immense challenges faced in Web3 and how embracing the right design methodologies helped overcome these blockers. I'm Reem. And I'm Akil, and we are your co-hosts. Hey guys, thanks for joining us once again for the Block by Design podcast. So today I have the pleasure of speaking with Amy Jung. Amy, I'll give you the opportunity to introduce yourself. Let's go. Yeah, happy to be here. Um, my background is actually, uh, I focus on ecosystem development, specifically in the design space, um, in the blockchain space as well. And so I kind of consult for Maker and Cello at the moment. I also worked at previously at Consensus Design, and actually I come from the accelerator world, so kind of tech too. So thanks for joining us and taking all the time out of your busy schedule. You can see you're managing quite a few <laughs> different projects. So we'd love to talk to you today about UX audits and how they can be leveraged in the Web3 ecosystem because you've done a great job of really facilitating that in the ecosystem with the UX audits at DEF CON, which is the annual developer conference organized by the Ethereum Foundation. And before we get into that, I'd love to get to know a little bit more about you. So one funny anecdote about the first time I kind of heard about you was at the initial Eat Denver. I believe that was like <laughs> two years ago. Yeah. Um, so being like one of the few designers in the space, um, really participating in the community, one of my friends came up to me and talked very highly about the work that you did at the hackathon. So I'd love oh, to wow. like... <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> I'd love to kind of like get to know a little bit more about how you got into the space, what that journey looked like, and what really drew you to the Web3 ecosystem. Yeah, um, thanks for sharing that with me. That's really cool. I came into the space because previously I was running an organization in New York where we were focused on this bridge between creatives who are in design and and this technology space so i'm not just mentioning like designers who work at a tech company but actually the processes that are different like data visualization or like the design in, blo in blockchain and how that differs and how we even got to the blockchain side was we were having these events the community was amazing everyone was super excited um we we're just talking about real open problems that we see in the space and then where we where we kind of got into this was a partner of ours was this was 2017 so it was like the height of everything that was happening and a partner said we want to we're a product design studio we want to kind of pivot a little bit to focus on product design for blockchain and so we were like how what do what do designers in the space look like like what what is designing and blockchain mean and at that time i was I was kind of like heard about Bitcoin and Ethereum a little bit, but I had never really gotten into it. And uh, we did our first event and it was amazing. It was like the biggest event we did. I think like 150 people showed up. And the way we structured it, because we were like, how much do people know about blockchain? How much of them are coming from design world versus uh, more of a traditional world? And so the first one, we kind of just gave different use cases. And I think it was Lane Reddick. This was like his first talk on 
blockchain and Ethereum. And it was actually really great. He compared blockchain to the printing press and how it opens up the possibility for others to create value. And so that was really cool. And from there, the number one feedback was like, there was no design in that event. I was like, yeah, I could not find designers in the space. And so then I spent the next couple months asking like, what's going on? And that's where I popped up to ETH Denver 2018, right? Um, The first ETH Denver. And that's where I did the, the hackathon because I'm like a a learner from doing. And so I have to take part in the process to understand what are the pain points. I was so worried that nobody will want to take on a designer at a hackathon. This was also my first hackathon and I didn't know how these things went. (laughs) And so I just kind of put out there like, hey, it's not like I'm a, a product designer per se. I did go to Parsons for integrated design, but I'm not a product designer. I focus more on systems design. And so it was like the day before and I started getting more like concerned. So I, I was like, I'm just going to put out an idea and see what people think. It was the year around, we called it CC, like uh, carbon copying. Yeah. The idea around watermarks and how creatives have this problem around uh, when you create something and put it in, into the digital space, you kind of lose where that goes and it's hard to track. And that's kind of why like there's watermarks and and kind of platforms with a wall and things like that. And so we were like, well, if if we have a ledger that every time you create something kind of gives a stamp, can we do that for something like digital assets? And so we so actually had a a front end dev and a back end. And it was really awesome. Um, We learned so much. And that's kind of where it started. And I became really obsessed. I did another series of design and blockchain events where we did three in one month. And that was really intense. That's where I met all the consensus designers because obviously at the time, consensus had the most amount of designers. And I think they probably still do. For sure. And that's where I got really, really into it. And you kind of welcomed me into the Web3 open source design group. And uh, it was really cool because now it's what it's like 200 yeah, it's growing quite. Yeah, yeah, every day there's a new person. And I think that's the best part. Knowing that you don't know all the designers in the space, that's where I'm like, this is awesome. And uh, from there, that's where, you know, DevCon was coming up in for 2018 in Prague. And basically, they decided this year there would be a design track in 2018. And, and that's where... Um, they're like, who are the designers in the space that could give input around how this track should look like? And that's where um, we were trying to get designers to speak more at these events. We wanted to evangelize designers in the space. And a lot there was like a lot of talk around UX. That's the stopper for, for mass adoption. And I'm not sure that it was like just vaguely UX, right? And actually developers were saying this. And so um, I kind of put out an ask and I said, what do people want to see? And I'm more operations mindset. And so somebody was like, oh, it'd be cool to do a UX audit. It'd be cool to have a UX award and all this stuff. And basically I submitted it, it went through, and then I became responsible for it. Um, We were talking about how this is just like how it works in the decentralized space, I think. If you run with it, go for it. And it was awesome. It was actually really great. The energy that year was obviously coming from the moon And then this year was our second year, and it was really interesting to see the differences between those two. 
Awesome. So perhaps you could kind of tell the listeners a little bit about what a UX audit actually is. Yeah. So the UX audit, basically the problem that we initially saw was that currently in the design space, there's just not a lot of designers that were, I think now there is, but entering blockchain space to, to design in this space. And so we wanted to open those gates up for a little and, and kind of see why that was the case and where designers can. And so because of that, designers are actually mostly solo designers on a team. Um, that was definitely the case at Consensus Design. Rarely do you see projects that have more than one designer. And so because they were solo designers, they were not being able to see what else was going on. And we wanted to have that cross-collaboration happen. And so we were, the audits, the way that it works, last year we had actually an entire, the four days, entire room that people can just come in and out. And so you, wait, when you signed up for an audit, you would get one-on-one -on -one time with a designer who like obviously doesn't work for you, or you could bring your designer, and then um, run through a very specific task um, with kind of a, a goal mindset. Like, I want to focus on my onboarding process. I want to focus on my offboarding process, whatever that was. And then they would spend the next 30 to one hour walking through the DAP or, or project that they had, and then being able to um, get that one-on-one -on -one feedback from a designer. So that's that was the audit this year um, or last year. And this year, we wanted to put a little bit more user research around it. But I think that's also really difficult to do in such a short amount of time. And so our goal, our objectives are like, how do we incrementally teach or spread pieces of the design process where everyone's getting a little benefit of feedback? The great part is designers love doing this because they get access to see what other projects are thinking about and working on. And then being able to get direct insight into what a mixer is like it was so crazy this year we had somebody who was like we're working on mixers and a and the designer's like i've never worked on a mi mixer but she was like a systems designer right so they're like let's okay. talk about what a mixer is supposed to do and, and and actually ended up being working really well it was really cool this year we did 30 around 33 audits last year we did around 41 and it's actually more impressive this year how many we conducted because we we had limited time. So this year we only had two hours a day versus last year we had an entire uh, room for the entire four days. A couple of uh, projects came back. They were like, this is awesome. I, I don't know why no one's taking advantage of this and came back like two or three times. So perhaps we could go into a little bit more detail. You talked about cross-collaboration and kind of UX audits helping facilitate that. So how does this fit in with usability testing and what's the value add of a UX from a developer's or a product standpoint? So Web3, I think we were also talking about just what the difference between Web3 and Web2 is in terms of where design fits into that process, as well as like an industry. And the main part about what I've noticed, what Web3 actually opens up to is that open source is default. And so in design, we are actually quite open already. You know, we create system, we, we create designs and then we put it out in the world and we talk to users every day and, and we do research. And so it's a natural process for us to kind of grasp that value. And the driving forces in that as well is that 
you have things like design systems, you have things like audit, which actually comes from a traditional idea around like a UX consultation, right? Um, this is actually something that traditional Web2 companies do, where they force you to pay like thousands of dollars and then you get review and feedback about like how your product or or project is performing and we kind of do that as a gift to the defcon attendees by saying this is actually free and you're getting an hour and yeah we can have a lot more conversations on like the the ethics around costs and and things like that So Amy, you just mentioned the open source nature of Web3 and how it's intrinsically baked into the ecosystem and the challenges that come with that as far as building services such as UX audits to be leveraged by projects in the ecosystem and what that looks like moving forward. Perhaps you could touch a little bit more about the challenges we face as far as UX audits. We're at this interesting jumping point from the UX audits, after two years, we've kind of said, okay, what's next? And there's actually quite a few designers who came up to me and say, like, we could definitely monetize this. People could come in for UX audits. I Like a designer told me, oh, I actually do this like as a consulting thing, like where a user comes up to, or someone who owns a project comes up to me and says, hey, I, I just want some feedback. And I think the idea around feedback, and this is also why we say designers are amazing at being users themselves, they love giving feedback. So when something's not quite right, that feedback mechanism is really important. How that feedback mechanism is, what does that look like? It can look like in the form of a UX audit, where you're actually saying this is a formal audit. The reason that we actually thought about changing the name audit because it felt very prescriptive and that's not really the intention, but it actually works because the idea is there, right? When you're getting audited, you actually are sitting there to listen and setting up the environment for that is super important. And then the second part to that is uh, we actually are now thinking of it more as a peer review and how does that peer review work in this space? And you see this in any other spaces outside of design, right? Like, when you're a scientist or something, you get peer reviewed as well. Then there's a service like online digital journal or something where you are, they're like giving you credit for that source. One question I wanted to ask was UX audit and like not having the right framing around it. So one of the key concepts with UX audits is that you need a specialized individual to kind of facilitate that in the first place. Challenge with the ecosystem is that there's so many different moving parts that are continually changing as far as UX and UIs are concerned and what needs to be included and what that kind of looks like. There's a lot of research being done. So I really like the approach you mentioned about like peer reviews and what that could facilitate for an open source ecosystem. Mm. Um but from a UX and UI heuristic standpoint, are we still relying on something standardized as like Jacob Nielsen? Or are we trying to perhaps create new resources that uh, the Web2 ecosystem can rely on? There's, I think, different ways designers approach this. So going back to your initial kind of statement around people who are specialized in this, it's the same question around If someone tells you they're a blockchain expert and have been doing it for many, many, many years, then you already know that's a lie, right? Like this space is just not mature enough for that. And and so designers coming into the space, 
we have to help educate them on how the technology works and what options we have. Actually, I had this really great conversation with Alex Vandersen. Well, he mentioned this. He said, what's important is that great designers need constraints. And so what we do, the creativity comes from that constraint. This is paraphrasing. But the idea is that blockchain currently as a technology has so many constraints. And we have to educate designers on, on what are the ways around that constraint. And that could be something like, um, you know, how we can work around ENS domains or how we can do more uh, like in the back end where we're focusing on uh, meta transactions or something so we can improve the, the transaction time. So it's a lot for a designer to understand the technical pr- possibilities if, if that's the case, what you would do is you have to have a designer who's quite mature in the design process, as you just mentioned, right? Yeah. So if you know the kind of like Jacob Nielsen process, like the basic principles around what good UX is and what good UI is, we could build on top of that foundation and support by saying, let's not throw away completely what we already know. And this is exactly like what design systems is, right? It's like, that's kind of an improvement. Like, let's not just say, hey, let's keep redesigning websites. <laughs> like, doesn't make any sense. We have to create these tools for us to actually bridge those two ideas around innovation and progress, as as you mentioned, a, a chart around innovation and progress. And we're kind of yeah. trying to inch forward between those two where we're wanting to, I think, as like designers, release that creativity around like, what if we did this? Like, what if we turn this whole idea upside down? And they're kind of part of that innovator. But then the progress happens when you can distill that into something that's a little bit more tangible, right? And so the UX audits become something like that. So at what process of the product lifecycle do you need to be to actually benefit from a UX audit? You know, in the, we've seen so many different areas. We, we usually say prototype. You have some form of working prototype and that you have a couple of users that you have tried to test it on. It's really hard to give feedback, feedback when you have like, this is an idea stage because, you know, you just don't know what the execution is going to look like. So we've, we've got people who have been working on projects for many years, like Gnosis is a recurring one. And so they've built upon uh, their whole process versus, oh, this is our first iteration. Um, Usually it's a digital iteration. What was interesting this year was we actually paired the Gnosis team that was looking for feedback with the MetaMask designers. And the MetaMask designers had, we, we gave them two a user researcher and um, Christian, who is one of the lead product designers there. And they were like sketching. They, you know, they were doing wireframes and they were like asking questions. And so I think the more the more homework you come with, the better you get out of it. It's not a test, but it's it's like if you know what you're looking for, it's easier to help you. So my like ideal situation of having a UX auditor at the protocol level is not going to work out? <laughs> I mean, it's really interesting because we've had this come up. Like, I have a protocol. How can I get help? I think yeah. it's just a time limitation. Like, in an hour, it takes you, it, 
it takes you half an hour to describe the, the system like of the protocol. Um, so so it's, it's a very complex aspect. But if you have an aspect of a protocol, you want to work on the levers for this reserve system. Like, I think if you think of something like Maker, and they came in for a feedback session, that would actually still work, because there's a lot of stuff that's happening in the protocol level, um, like yeah. governance or something like that. And that you can get that feedback. But you have to be mature enough where that has been thought about. <laughs> so you yeah. can, like, we have, um, which is exciting, we have game game designers, like game theory designers as well. And so if you're like, we want people to kind of do this, or we want to see what people do in this process, then you can then you can say, well, what does the game look like? Like, how can we set you up in a way that you can try this workshop or something like that to actually get to your end goal? So do you see an opportunity for this to blossom in the ecosystem as even protocol layer projects hiring or getting in touch with UX auditors or UX uh, specialists to facilitate those conversations for them early on so we don't have issues that we're trying to solve later on with solutions such as the ENS or meta transactions like you mentioned earlier where those are kind of baked into the layer one or layer two solutions. Yeah, I, this is something I'd also love to kind of ask your listeners for support, right? We're still growing this design space. And if anyone has ideas around how to tackle that for something that's like deeper protocol level, it probably will require a, a designer who's more embedded in your team. So another thing that I've been kind of testing in this space in some form is uh, these kind of pop-up projects. And so people kind of come to me and say, I need help with this. Can you find me a designer? It's really interesting because I take a lot of time to ask them, like, do you have X, Y, Z? What are you looking for? And kind of scoping out what they're actually looking for without writing a job description, basically. And then I think about the designers in the space who would be really great for that. So you mix and match designers. And so a good example is for like Burner Wallet. There's Alex and um, Alex Singh, who's on the uh, Rimble team. And then yep. Carl, who is working in for Dubai Solutions. There's one person who's really good at understanding systems at a larger level and could kind of guide that. And then someone who's more focused on like how that translates onto the UI, the like wireframes at work. And what does it look like for actually designers to, to have these like mix and match teams where they kind of disappear after a while can we solve this problem as a team versus an individual then you get again solo designers what would you think would be the best way to facilitate this knowledge sharing within the ecosystem because we're all working on these distinct and very like deep problems so one of the challenges is that the technology needs to interoperate at all the different layers of the web3 tech stack but the sad part is we can't have deep knowledge in every area of the different projects. So what is the best way to facilitate that cross-pollination and that information share? Yeah, I, I think this is kind of a, not the, always the best answer, but the idea around being open about the work you're doing. So sharing work in progresses. I mean, it's great. We have these channels like this open source web three design group where you say, Hey, can I get feedback on this thing I'm working on? You know, we have a forum where we can have deeper discussion, but also just being really involved in what's happening, you know, on Ethereum or 
in the blockchain itself. I have a tendency to just try to know as much as I can about what's going on in this space and how are other people solving it. So I would just say like speak to other designers because I think other designers feel the same way. And so DevCon becomes actually this interesting like place for designers to come together. So this year we had like a dinner, a designer dinner, and everyone was kind of sharing like what they're working on and how they're going about it. We we did want to do this more in a formal way of like, can we have, um, you know, I think someone mentioned to me having this kind of like Slack channel where there's constant like designers in there and anyone projects can come in and say like, I need help with this. Like, how would I approach this? So, so opening up that, I think we need to have more platforms like this. Uh, we were joking about there's always this design DAO conversation that comes yeah. up um, because A, I think the problem is people don't know where designers are <laughs> because designers don't tend to like be super flashy all the time because they're usually heads down working as well. And so so I think the, the, the root of that is like, how can I find designers? How can I connect to designers? And how can I, you know, the service be exchanged in that aspect? And a DAO, I think, is the idea that we have a curated list of designers that we know we can go to. So if I'm in the DAO, they know, oh, like Amy has done the UX awards and audits. She knows enough designers that could introduce me to someone. From a UX audit perspective, how do you see that being integrated into open source design? You mentioned a little bit previously about the idea of open source design and how that's going to sort of be an integral part of the ecosystem. Um, What does that look like moving forward? Where I would like to see it go is that we actually come together um, to create these principles in some form. If you think about a community, a community comes together around shared values. And even in the design community, the shared values can be really different, right? So you've got these different modes of thought. How can we think of this in terms of this like school of thought where you've got like something like Bauhaus, right? It turned into a movement. It was a school and they had like very specific outcomes around functionality around design and and that clarity, I think allowed people to understand whether they liked that school of thought or not. And if we could publish something in that frame, I think we would be more successful and it would also drive something like the UX audits where I know like what kind of principles they want to establish for their product. So I'm not sure if that's like a full action because I think it's really hard to describe what how we can move forward in this space because that's also where I feel a little bit stuck nowadays. I do see a lot of the designers collaborating in small batches, as I mentioned. So there's one around design research that's really big. Hester from Status is leading that with Carl. And they're looking into how can we um, establish more user research and then share those user research insights with the greater community and then be able to make better decisions that way. I would love to also see that on the global scale. So locally, like if you think about Ethereum as a global community, locally, everyone's idea around design and development and Ethereum are all very different. And so 
if we can create these like little pockets of localized information, that would be really awesome because then when you go into a market, you understand like what you should, what mindset people are in. So one of the key differences between like a UX audit and usability testing is that it might not be as effective as getting user data and getting to really know the nuances of how new users react. Mm -hmm. um, but for new projects into the space, there's a lot of cost savings involved, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to finding uh, users to test, organizing them, yeah. kind of compensating them and all the other nuances that are needed as far as like that process. And a UX audit kind of jumps yeah. some of those hurdles and gives you the context that you need to iterate on the product that you're working on in a more concise and shorter time frame. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the visual that I think of is you know, when you have kind of this timeline of progress, right, it's like kind of this linear line, there's a, a, a point that designer design always wants to get involved in, where they could, what, like you mentioned, save a lot of time or resources for a team. So the common kind of setup now, because it's so easy for you to like, set up a website, and like start a quote, unquote, company nowadays, people kind of rush to that they rush to the solution and don't really think about what the problem or the thing that they're trying to solve actually is. So a lot of teams also come with that question, but not maybe well defined. Like something's not working. I don't know what, I feel like I tried everything. What is it? And the audits is like, let's focus on one thing, which actually opens the doors for like a lot more conversation focus on key management and then you can think about where key management fits in this larger structure around privacy or around uh, custodial non-custodial things like that in my in my view so you can go into like security or you can go into any of these topics by choosing one of these tracks to begin with so you mentioned ux awards at defcon could you provide a little bit more context to how that worked out and uh, where do you see that progressing? Yeah, so last year was pretty cool. We had 81 submissions in like four days or something because we actually did pretty poor marketing, I will admit, um, early on. And this year we tried to do a little bit more. And so what happens is DevCon is a four-day conference. We allow people, especially if you've done a UX audit, to um, apply for the UX awards. The UX awards, why it even started was because we wanted to showcase the best projects that actually work really hard on UX, on UX and user experience in general. And last year we had something like the Bounties Network win and they were really great at trying to incentivize real world actions into the system this year, we, as I mentioned, Deep Work, which is one of these smaller design teams that give like design sprints and build, help build product, they actually helped on-ramp one of the winners where they help like on-ramp uh, users. They won because they actually really thought about the user experience and took the time with having that design sprint with someone like Deep Work as a team. And so you've got this kind of full circle system that, that is really nice to see. And the purpose, like in general, just period, is how can we showcase some of the best work? And 
then it kind of, because it's on main stage on the last day, it gives that idea around, oh, this is the types of things we should be thinking about. This is the kind of standards that are coming out of it. And even in the judging process, we get to see like sometimes there are similar products and how the approaches are with those different products are also really interesting to see. We want to open source all the applications that go in for sure, because I think it's a great way for other projects to, to like showcase in general, besides like winning the main stage. I think we just have to figure out more of logistically how, what that would look like from our end for, for possibly next year. How is the feedback post UX audits? Were there certain trends or feedback that you got that was conducive to the whole ecosystem as far as the value that people saw after actually participating in UX audit? I'm guessing most of the people who actually participated, it was their first interaction actually with what a UX audit looks like and what benefit it provides them. Uh, I'd love to kind of hear what kind of feedback you guys received. Yeah, I mean, I have some awesome quotes. We we send out a feedback survey and luckily there are great teams that, that give us feedback. I'm happy to kind of read it right off. Uh, we were discussing how to improve the onboarding flow for people who don't have a wallet yet. And this is the team that was a MetaMask. So inevitably MetaMask onboarding challenges came up. And so they got to have a conversation um, around how that process looked like for them. And then what that standard could look like for a team that's like as big as Gnosis for a team that's as big as MetaMask. The part that I think I find interesting is when you have a designer that is because wallets, for example, is a really popular one, right? A lot of designers in the space work on wallets. And so what we do is sometimes we pair someone who's working at Coinbase with someone who's like thinking of other wallet solutions. Uh, so, so this is actually a really good one. Um, this is from 2018 in Prague. This is a quote. The first one I did, the presenter had a specific question about a design pattern. Being new to the blockchain, I didn't have an immediate answer. So I asked questions about the experience and what she had hoped the user would accomplish, which she found very odd. And I could tell she was getting a little impatient. Happens a lot after which I explained other areas that I would address instead of making the in interface more intuitive. So, yeah, so about an hour later, the designer spoke to another uh, designer about the problem and realized that designer was having the same challenge. And so then they connected uh, they connected each other. And then the, the person who came in for the audit was like, this is great. This is amazing. Thank you. And so this is kind of why I talk about the UX audit as a space. It's just a space yep. for things to interact. So early on, you talked about your actual involvement with eDenver. One thing that really stood out to me was the different type of ideas that come up when you have designers and different perspectives involved in the process and thinking about the technology. So I'd love to kind of get your impressions on how you see other voices being included in these conversations that we might be missing in the ecosystem. One thing I would really love is for more design, uh, business designers to be involved. I remember this coming up in a lot of designers within consensus, where when business models had to be shifted and uh, there's only a product designer that could that 
could kind of tell you around also where the users are or what the users should be, but is more concerned around like, I don't know how to describe that business like outcome. I found that to be like where we would love a lot more support. It, generally in this space, I think there's a lot of discussion around business models. I know Kevin Awaki is like really adamant about that. Um, I think that's just the reality we have to face that open source does not mean free, but that means we have to fi- create a model. Sure, we can give you free pieces, but to do something well, it has to be sustainable. To me, design is communication. And whether you do that visually, if you do that in a workshop, you do that, what, whatever format it is, it's communication. And as a designer, I think that's why we're like, what top skills should you have as a designer? Right now is like writing, technical writing or something like that. But it's all forms of communication. So if people wanted to learn more about you or get in touch with you, what would be the best source? Yeah, um, you can just DM me. My DMs are open on Twitter. The handle is at it's Amy John. <laughs> I need to be more creative than that. But yeah, feel free. The whole handle is at I-T-S-A-M-Y-J-U-N-G. If you also just Google Amy Jung Twitter blockchain, I'll probably come up. <laughs> yeah. So if people want to get involved with the UX audits next year mm-hmm. or generally with the community, what's the best um, way forward? Yeah. So the three points that we want to improve on for next year is one, marketing. I know there are some designers and marketers who are interested in it. Please reach out to me if you're interested in kind of helping with the marketing aspect of both UX awards and UX audits. The second one is around um, more operational people as well. If you want to help just lay the foundations of how this can improve as well. Um, Right now, it's just me. And then I get input from a group of designers uh, that lead kind of the design track in this space. But I'd love... Even if it's just one-off feedback, it's super helpful to see it from a different angle. Perfect. Thank you very much for giving us your time today, Amy. And um, hopefully people see a lot of value added from UX audits and the great work that you've been doing in the ecosystem. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.